Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. So hello, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. Today, a guest we already had uh, before, but it's coming back because I remember when we had the chat together, uh, I was really, really mind blown about your observations about sales, about the future of technology. Um, so this guest is Tom Casley from uh, actually Hook now. So Tom, uh, welcome to the show for a second time. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm glad I had enough of an impact to get a second invite and, and yeah. not to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was really good. I remember like having some warm moments. So that was that was really interesting. And uh, yeah, things have, have kind of moved, changed in your life. So tell us a bit more about everything you're doing now. Yeah, so um, uh, my time came to kind of a natural end at, at Outreach. Had a, a fantastic time there, learned a ton. Um, have started the careers of some pretty amazing people. When I when I look at it, they frighten me. They're, they're probably better than I am already, and they're only two or three years into their jobs. Um, so, yeah, awesome trajectory, and definitely now for somebody else to take the mantle as they look to grow out Europe. And uh, I've now kind of gone from uh, gamekeeper to poacher. If, uh, <laughs> if the focus of outreach was very much top of funnel and driving new business, uh, the focus of hook is to help customers retain and expand the relationships they have uh, already garnered. And um, yeah, lo- loads of synergies there. But um, I suppose what I was keen to share today with your permission was kind of some of my observations of having moved from one side to the other and and some of the CRO challenges that I think are about and also some of the opportunities which are being missed. Okay. One thing we can, an observation we can say with you is that you tend to pick companies that have very descriptive names of what they're doing. Outreach is doing outreach. Hook is about, you know, keeping a revenue. So I think that's pretty <laughs> brilliant there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots of jokes at the name, you know, get hooked and, you know, and, yeah. and hook them, uh, you know, by hook or by crook will uh, retain the business. Yes, there's yeah. loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's talk expansion then there, because you shared, you know, we talked about that, you shared that you had some kind of model around it. So I'm all ears. Yeah, so uh, look, uh, you know, I don't want to underplay or overplay the environment that we're in. Um, in terms of kind of the acute nature of what's going on. Uh, But I do see there being a long tail 
impact of the season we're in, which will be more about responsible growth. Mm-hmm. And also organizations are going to be measured not just by logo or new business acquisition. They're going to be measured by the long-term viability and profitability of the relationships with their customers. And I, I suppose the, the golden measure for that will be NRR or NDR, so net revenue retention or net dollar retention. Mm-hmm. Um, although having now dug into that a little bit, there's ways of fudging that number to make it look good or, or indifferent. So we'll say the purest, the purest examples for me are gross revenue retention. So amount of dollars retained from your existing business mm-hmm. and net revenue retention is the amount of new dollars from those customers that remain effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when I look at uh, expansion and the maturity of businesses around expansion, I, I see a lot of room for development. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about new business, you know, uh, organizations have segmented their approach, you know, emerging commercial enterprise businesses. They oftentimes have different deal processes uh, and uh, and also different strategies for acquiring those customers and how they'll work with them and the resources they use. And yet on expansion, it feels as though it's kind of organizations are taking their first step. Yeah. Now, given the environment we're in, uh, on a backdrop of deals which are being stalled or maybe pushed or delayed or even being cancelled as people are, are, are just holding onto their budgets for a moment while they kind of see how the land lies. Um, CROs in particular are still going to be expected to deliver a number. Yeah. And the place you go when there's no new business is expansion. What can we get from our install base? And without a framework and without a model for that, the common mistakes I see is one going back to the same customers again, seeing mm-hmm. if they'll buy some more. So it's it's going to the the existing wells uh, and hoping they're not dry. Yeah. Or two, uh, even worse, is buying that expansion. So renegotiating contracts, which were already considered by the customer to be a good thing, and discounting it even further just to get a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And actually, to the point where I've spoken with CROs and they're like, yeah, we've just done an expansion at a rate we would never approve mm-hmm. on a new customer deal. And I, okay. So how, how are you using expansion to take down your average deal size or your average revenue per subscriber yeah. or your average sales price? I said, because we needed the expansion. Mm-hmm. So the model for this or the, the early warning sign for any CRO that you don't have a program in place is where the majority of your expansion business uh, falls into two buckets. Uh, and that's either it's happening at renewal and that's normally the customer instigating that and saying, oh, we think we need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or it's what I call intra-quarter revenue. So intra-quarter revenue is stuff that arrives and closes all within the same reporting period. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's um, um, like a a red highlight, if you will, is because expansions typically, when when done properly, will probably take as long as a new business deal. And if your new business sales cycle is six to nine months and every expansion is happening into quarter, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? Did I explain the, the kind of the 
the context well enough for it. Yeah, yeah, I understand that really well. Um, so I think that's 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 really really interesting. There, if we zoom in a bit uh, into the expansion, mm. the whole topic. One thing I've observed myself, I've been training a lot of customer success teams lately. Um, and one thing I've observed is that the skills you get um, or the job description or people you typically find doing these jobs are often quite remote from doing sales. So they are, you know, they see their job as serving customers and, uh, you know, like finding trains or looking at talking to above the line buyers, like Skip would say, mm. is often something they've never heard of. So for me, whenever mm. I train CS teams, I got the impression I'm training total newbies in sales compared to SDRs or AEs who are just like into the job there. So what's the shift that should happen in there for the uh, the teams? Well, there's uh, yeah. So there's, there's there's two things, and one of them I think I'll unpack after this. But this you are right. There's this commercial focus on CS teams, and CS teams were never there to drive commercial conversations mm -hmm. they were always originally there um, to ensure uh, the customer's journey and their life cycle so they're delivering an experience that increases the propensity to renew mm -hmm. but the idea of having them negotiate renewals or negotiate expansion opportunities was simply because people didn't want to put it anywhere else and they didn't want to distract their new business teams from acquisition Mm -hmm. um, you know the farming hunting mentality but let me I'll come on to that in a little bit in a minute I've got some strong opinions in that area so when looking at expansion the model I have and apologies I don't have a great name for it I call it the ABC one two three four and something is going to change on that <laughs> I need some marketing help simple enough so, <laughs> yeah uh, ABC is a recognition of where is it initiated so A is uh, the uh, the expansion opportunity is customer initiated. In other words, they phone up and say, we need some more users. Yeah. Right. So there's there's no selling done. We just have to create a channel to receive those orders mm -hmm. uh, where possible, create some form of self-service capability for that hugely reduce the cost of sale. The second one is where it's happening at uh, kind of a critical event, typically a renewal. Mm -hmm. So the expansion is happening at renewal. In other words, it's a it's a you know part of the customer journey that's significant enough that normally engages more senior commercial oriented people in the customer organization. The third level is the expansion was initiated from our own uh, outbounding efforts. Mm -hmm. So we've identified that there may be a potential for expansion within the customer and we've initiated those conversations yeah. right you can already probably guess that the highest proportion of expansion revenue is coming from a uh, a and b and very little from c yeah right to give you an idea about 46 percent of expansion revenue comes at renewal and i i would i'd be surprised if uh, you know 50% wasn't coming from a customer initiated and only 4% was outbounding. All right. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the first area to look at. So that's on one axis. The other axis is this one, two, three, four. So one is, um, and this is to do with who's involved and what products. So one would be the same buyer. So our primary user and same product. So that's just more of the same. 
Yeah. yeah, it's kind of selling, selling in the same office. Two is the same buyer, but selling different capabilities. So a cross sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got upsell number one and cross sell number two. Three is then selling to a different buyer, but the same product. So that's mm-hmm. upsell to a different division. Yeah. yeah. So slightly more complicated. And then four is selling to a different buyer and a different capability. So a crop sell, but to a different buyer. Yeah. And you can imagine as you go through one, two, three, and four, uh, the, the level of difficulty increases mm-hmm. because you've got relatedness with, with one and two. You haven't with three and four. And then you've got familiarity with one and three because it's the same product and you haven't with three and four. So what I would encourage organizations to do is to map out their expansion opportunities that they have today on kind of a graph and say, right, are they A, B or C and are they one, two, three and four? And guaranteed there's going to be a lot of A1, B ones, mm-hmm. which is, you know, at renewal or customer instigated, same person, same product. Yeah. And actually, if they want to get really good at expansion, they need to be exercising the muscles of, you know, C2, C3 and C4, yeah. which is them initiating upsells and cross-sells uh, with, um, you know, their existing existing buyers or with new buyers within the organization. Yeah. So, uh, and that actually leads itself to, uh, you know, we should be uh, looking at the white space in accounts by the same kind of metric. What do we think is the capacity of this customer of the existing products or services we've sold them to the existing buying community or to a new buying community and also the cross-sell white space that we have within those accounts? Mm -hmm. That, to me, will give the CRO um, a huge um, input to one, understand and quantify the potential white space in the account, Mm -hmm. but also whether uh they need to move now to having dedicated growth and uh growth aes who are you know really responsible for driving that upsell if they have a lot of white space in cross sell and there have been a land and expand previously that tells me they need commercially orientated farmers and they can't rely on the cs people to do it yeah if you have a product which is very much you know singular focus and is about consuming through the same person. For example, something that may be purchased by a CFO, it's always a CFO who can buy it. It's a compliance tool, for example, and it grows just as the company grows. Mm-hmm. No point in having a growth team because everything's going to be very kind of product led. We're not going to be able to influence that much. Makes sense to have a CS organization just sit off the back of that. Okay. So, Really love the model, actually. Uh, if someone listened to us and be like, okay, where can I, you know, some people could actually take that model, create a, just a consulting company and just talk about how to find <laughs> revenue for CROs. Because one thing I always say, and for me, it's really another wow moment I got with you is that um, as a CRO, you know, like these are the kind of like problems they are, challenges they have right now. And, you know, just using this very, simple but complete map you've done i'm gonna basically write it down it's just like a great way to prioritize where you want to go and understand you know as you said like the potential additional revenue you have uh 
If you if you remember, there's a thing called Power Hour in the Skip's uh, book, Outbounding, where it's where you prioritize your time, you know, with the existing accounts and everything. And so I love it because it's, it's kind of the very similar structure, but, you know, with kind of different axis and, uh, you know, vertical and horizontal axis. But I think that's that's really brilliant. So you gave me a great topic to write the newsletter for Proactive Sundays. So I'm going to link back to you on <laughs> that if you want, because it's... Well, uh, it's I, I, uh, maybe Maybe I don't need to change the name, but, uh, you know, it was really enriching for me, you know, a few months back talking with one of my growth AEs at Outreach where I said, Tom, look, I want to do a deal review with you on some, you know, C3, C4s. Mm -hmm. It's like, brilliant. We both knew what that was. Yeah. He was trying to expand the current capabilities to, uh, you know, off his own back. And then he was trying to do some cross-sales to some new people in the organization. Brilliant. Yeah. Now we have sales strategies around that. And, and we recognize that we're going to have to turn up differently. We're yeah. really going to have to know, um, you know, to be able to, to instigate something off your own bat, you need to have a good handle on the impact that you've already delivered and where they're at on that journey. And then to be able to go to sell to different people in the account, you need to have created champions and advocates that you can refer back to yeah um that's a you know a, a, now as a cro i'm really kind of a, in a mindset to be able to coach support and and operationalize uh you know this this way of thinking within our existing accounts yeah and what i find also really brilliant is that right now everyone's kind of like waiting to understand what's really happening and putting break on everything and and people are just panicking and have not not really any idea or anything else and just waiting. And in that case, what you can do is, is you can just transfer the resources you had for net new logos, like SDRs, everything mm. just outbound for that, to get them to mm. help and expand with accounts. That's what I always say is we always kind of yeah. outbound with new business. Outbound is, is just like proactively reaching out to people. And it's a lot simpler with people you already know in, in accounts you already know mm. and just like purely new, uh, you know, total strangers. So I think it's a really yeah. great way to reorganize and, and put your efforts to the right the right place. Mm. So here, this this moves on to the to the controversial bit, then, if you will, yeah. which is, um, you know, as so we went through the pandemic, um, we now, if we, it, it's kind of impossible to look at that through rose-tinted glasses. It was awful, but uh, a lot of organizations. Um, have implemented, you know, probably seven or eight years worth of change mm -hmm. in a very short period of time, and the majority of which is actually stuff that should have happened anyway. We kind of all grown up. We realised that remote selling is is completely okay, yeah. and uh, you know, doing sales calls over you know uh, Teams or Google Meets or Zoom is completely permissible, and actually, sales cycles could be short. Lots of good stuff came out of that and um and we were forced to make that change if if we're now in a season where there's going to be an intense commercial focus on on churn and retention and on expansion within accounts i foresee that uh, many organizations are going to make the decision which is we're going to have to create a third team we have yeah. our new business team that acquires we have our customer success team they can't they can't wear two heads they can't be doing customer journey and onboarding and and facilitation 
and then be you know commercial as well we're going to end up creating a growth team mm -hmm. and um having done that cro's cfo's ceos uh will in essence create uh, a set of orphans that sit in the middle yeah and what i mean by that is uh, as of today there's currently a, a a set of tools and capabilities which are used by the new business team and there are a set of tools and capabilities that are used by the customer success team and for the growth aes they need the information in the cs platform and they need the capabilities that are in the new business tools and i don't know any cro or cfo who's going to sanction uh buying both platforms and trying to cobble them together yeah. for this new team that's in the middle there is going to be uh some tough conversations of who wins mm -hmm. do we take more of a customer success holistic approach to sales or do we bring the sales tech stack down and think about what can we reuse and how can we use it uh, and how does that work and um uh i'm adamant that the new business tech stack is going to win yeah. and we within the customer success and growth worlds are going to have to work out how can we coexist with some pretty compelling tools and capabilities from that new business stack uh, and then those new business folks are going to have to work out really quickly how do they start flexing their tools mm -hmm. to be able to deal with both the new business motion as well as the expansion as well as the renewal motion and surfacing all of that up. Okay, so that's a few very interesting points in there. Um, so because here, like, would wouldn't Salesforce be the kind of like platform that would kind of gather all this data from CS and new business or, or is it, isn't it something that you can do? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm still at the kind of sales engagement school of thought, which is, you know, Salesforce is a system of record. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's where we put everything in it. It's yeah. a bit like, you know, we don't wear a wardrobe. We wear the clothes which are in the wardrobe. <laughs> Salesforce yeah. is the wardrobe. We yeah. need to go and put on our superhuman outfits yeah. to go and do the actions which are expected of us. Yeah. So, you know, those outfits are things that normally sit within the app store or, or elsewhere, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's, you know, from a new business and kind of the new business tech stack stuff is already one, isn't it? You know, there's yeah. three or four data providers, which are universally recognized as being the go-to data providers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You then having got that data, we then need to try and focus our efforts, not just on the people in our ideal customer profile, but ideally the ones who are looking for solutions to challenges that we solve. Mm -hmm. So that's where the intent providers come in. Yeah. You, know, that, you can kind of give me a telescope view of the world, narrow my aperture so that I go after the ones that are looking. And there's two or three vendors in, in that space who have won. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We then need to run the workflows to get those people into pipeline. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of outreach. Uh, you know, in that area, in terms of, uh, you know, making that happen. Mm -hmm. When we're in the sales cycle, we need to capture the conversation. There's one or two players there who have won that. All of that stuff goes into Salesforce. Yeah. And then out the back of Salesforce, there's one or two vendors who've won the forecasting story as well. So, you know, give me predictable view of what that revenue is going to look like. 
yeah. when I look at that, those capabilities are the same capabilities that are required by everybody in the go-to-market org. Mm -hmm. I need data. Well, as soon as they're signed, that's in CRM. I need some form of intent engine. I need to be able to have some way of assessing the risk of churn uh, and, and doing that in a timely fashion so that we can address it before it becomes urgent. Yeah. The, the notion of, you know, if a, if a ship is 20 miles offshore and heading at the cliffs, it's a small turn with small effort. If it's half a mile offshore, the, the sirens going, the horns going, everybody's getting into lifeboats. And it's a massive turn to try and avert that disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I also need some form of way of identifying and quantifying the intent to purchase more mm -hmm. and the timing of that. So that's, you know, there's intent providers. And then, well, workflow is workflow to me. I can't understand how organizations have kind of, shoeboxed the sales engagement vendors into being just an SDR tool. If you mm -hmm. subscribe to the notion that every software company tastes like chicken, yeah, yeah. A sales process is, you know, is a, is a workflow, is a playbook. Uh, customer onboarding is a workflow, is a playbook. Pipeline generation is a workflow or a playbook. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not the capability. It's, it's the workflow or the playbook you decide to augment in it. Yeah. And then, you know, push that through to a forecasting tool to say, right, now I have a picture of my business. I have my new business, I have my gross revenue retention, and I have my net revenue retention. Yeah. This, um, this platform rationalization is, is going to be interesting to watch it play out over the, you know, coming year, 18 months. And it's very interesting because, um, as, you, as you said, so the focus was on new business and, and you know, lending new, new logos. And the whole suite of tool we have is, you know, you have so many choices. As you said, some, you know, two, three, one, the category. Typically, if you look at the G2 grid, you can, you know, have an idea over mm -hmm. there. But in the expansion part, you know, it's like still there's a great opportunities to actually go and build the, the tools for that because we're now saying, okay, hyper growth and all this, you know, the crazy thing we've been doing for the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years are, you know, maybe something we should you know, slow down and focus a bit on more expansion, but the tools and the capacities are not there yet. So I think it's, as you said, I understand then why you say, you know, the kind of a new business would be the one winning because right now, you know, there's like the tools are here, the workflows are here, the knowledge is here and the expansion is kind of like a really, uh, you know, I, I kind of, a, yeah, really new, new sector. So I think that's, that's really interesting. It, yeah. If it feels like we're in, if, if this was the, when everybody talks about CRM, they always mean new business sales, but the mm -hmm. CRM evolution, you know, I was, I was at Oracle when we acquired Siebel mm -hmm. and, you know, Siebel was the monolithic platform. Everything's in there, you know, it takes a year to deploy, but where the answer to all of your problems, yeah. it was kind of good enough. It was like a middle of the range department store. Yeah. yeah. I paid a lot of money for it, but a middle of the range department store. Then Salesforce came along and it was the air solution, quicker, cheaper, easier. So it was the, yeah. and, you know, when I'm looking at kind of CS and growth, I'm seeing, you know, there was some Siebel kind of deployments initially. Now we're kind of getting into the uh era. Mm -hmm. I want it to be easier, quicker, you know, just not so quite so complicated and what have you. The, the third iteration is kind of where new business is at at the moment, which is saying, right. Now we've got systems, a record system of action, and people are working out what are 
what are the tools that are required and bringing in the experts to deliver on each of those stages. Yeah. And the winners are the ones that have obviously fit into that flow really well and have a good story. Um, I, I'm, you know, there's a lot, you know, I'm at hook. I believe we could be one of those elements mm-hmm. in there. I'm just intrigued to see who comes along for the ride. Yeah. And when we draw out that stack, you know, what are, what are the elements that fit into kind of the, the post-sale customer journey, the resale journey, the yeah. expansion journey? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because for me, I'm very critical of, of not so much tools or I, I love tools. And I think they are great. But very often people think that by investing in the tools, they're going to solve all their problems. And they often tend to forget that you have to learn how to use the tools, but also learn how to how these tools are better for your craft. And so there's still a craft of selling, of prospecting, or of doing expansion. That is very important. And that's what I'm training people on, you know, prospecting and, and all these things. But very often you see, okay, now we have Salesforce, now we have Outreach, now we have Gong, but still we don't reach our targets. What's what's going wrong? And then you just see there's basically no knowledge or, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, very complicated to get like your reps to, to, to follow a specific process. And so what would be your recommendation there to kind of, you know, use these tools? But <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Yeah. Every, every now and again, uh, a bit like in farming, you, you could be the best farmer in the world and then it rains for two months and you don't have a good harvest and everybody wonders whether you're any good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the rain for CROs at the moment is the fact that we've got a four-generational workforce mm-hmm. and they all work very differently. Yeah. And they're motivated very differently and they approach work very differently. Um, you know, uh, and a couple of examples would be, you know, uh, some folks will prefer structure and guidance and to follow a procedure. Others will want to be far more freehand and just work to deadlines and want the creativity and how that's achieved. Mm-hmm. Just give me the chapter headings. Don't yeah. give me the words. Yeah. And um, so there isn't a solution for that for me. Mm-hmm. But what I do like from your point is if you're going to buy a capability Buy it for as much of its capability as possible, not just for one piece. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, uh, for having, you know, we're, we're Gong users here. Gong has a plethora of functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I geek out on these, uh, you know, call recording, call intelligence platforms. <clears throat> so I can tell you, you know, I'm, uh, you know, whereas everybody else is probably just recording calls and sending links yeah. to customers. Yeah, which is you know you've got the Rolls Royce solution. Yeah. you literally are just playing with the air conditioning in the car. There's a, you know haven't even driven it anywhere yet. Yeah? yeah, if you're not using keywords analysis, if you're not using the coaching points, if you're not using deal signals, if you're not using all of these you know uh, and and talk time analysis and so on and so forth, you, you're just leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my takeaway from this, Scott, you've reminded me again. It's critical. Whenever you buy something, make sure you can use all of it. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than you know chucking away food that's gone off in the fridge. Yeah. And that's effectively what you're doing every month if you're not using everything that you've purchased. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's because it's a SaaS first, and you pay like recurring every month, and also because you know it's all this revenue you're missing on. So I think it's uh, it's it's really interesting, and so. 
what 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 can people do then what can leaders heroes do to actually solve that because you need you know you, you need to have consultants like who are because the problem for example if you go at gong or any kind of like a, a solution you're going to have some product training which will be often very basic you know it's not going to be like you know it's not going to be from the people who are actually using it with success so what would be a, a good thing to solve that problem yeah so um look that this challenge, and you're making me think on the fly, but I like the way you put me under pressure. <laughs> um, there is a, there's a, there's a growth kind of spectrum on here. You know, there are a lot of these top tier tools come into their own when you are growing, you know, plus 60, 70% per year. You, you cannot use the second and third tier tools, if you're growing at that rate. Yeah. They, they can't cope, they don't scale, they don't have the analysis, they don't have the, the smarts in them to be able to tell you where you're going wrong. Because thing is, as you'll know, uh, and, you know I kind of give you the rally driver's view, yeah? If I'm a rally driver and I'm nailing it down a country road, uh, you know, my RevOps business partner is my co-pilot, yeah. uh, who's, you know, knows the journey already and has all of the pace notes, that allows me to go at a million miles an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I need a fast car to do that. I need the top tier tools. Yeah. Cause if something goes wrong, it goes spectacularly wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, we either, you know, uh, at best probably just lose our jobs. At worst, we lose other people, their jobs. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm growing less quickly and I'm not at such high momentum, I'm cruising along a country lane in my, you know, luxury car or what have you. Mm -hmm. then the decision about what tools you use is either if you've got loads of money to spend, still buy a rally car and tootle along or, or make a more sensible decision, pragmatic decision about the, the real core functionality. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, if I, um, you know, if I'm growing quickly, you've only got two choices in sales engagement. If you're not growing quickly, lots of people will use HubSpot sequences, mm -hmm. for example, they'll use yeah. Apollo or, They'll, they may even just have it written out manually in a spreadsheet yeah. uh, and, and they're just persistent in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, does, that, does that kind of, so I suppose what I'm saying here is um, just match the advanced nature of the solutions that you're going to purchase with the growth rate that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And the decisions are more important the faster you're going because they're more critical. Yeah. I think that's yeah, that's that's a really good good answer. I like how you think on the spot under pressure, so that's good. I love the comparison with the car, and uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. For me, it's, it's just one thing is we tend to make decisions, especially with LinkedIn around kind of uh, like we tend to be influenced by the hype we see from a tool. And so for me, I, I'm a one person business. I would love to have Gong, but what's the point? You know, I'm a one person business. Mm. I don't need to have Gong. You know, I actually have my Notion spreadsheet, which is basically the only tech I use to prospect. And that's fine for mm. me. So I think it's really just do your homework, really think about buying the tool, but also implementing the, uh, you know, learning how to use the tools properly. Because that's the, you know, it's not because it's, you see that everywhere they have a big brand and it's a great tool for hyper growth companies that it's really the right tool for you right now. So I think that's, uh, it's, it's, if we had the easy answer, we'd be rich, but uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good way to get started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mind you, that said, uh, what I was about to say, which put the fear of God at me was that, you know, um, 
we're in a world now where people will make buying decisions based off um, um, the kind of collective view of their network of influencers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, if I'm going to buy, um, you know, a conversational intelligence tool and I speak to five of my peers, chances are they're all using Gong. Why would I choose something different? Because I can defend that position to my mm -hmm. CEO and say, well, everybody else was using it. So that's mm -hmm. why I've gone with it. Uh, what I was about to say is we need to start being braver and working out what is our good, better, best. Mm -hmm. uh, and where are we at in our journey? Be really honest with ourselves and say, well, actually, we're just good at the moment. So actually just any kind of note taking tool would be good for us. Yeah. Um, but the reason that puts the fear of God at me is that um, that has uh, all the hallmarks of a long, protracted, drawn out decision. Mm -hmm. And um uh, I, I, for one, am not advocating that people slow down their decision making process. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, if especially if if you're going growing at 10, 15 percent and you want to grow at 30 or 40 percent, the quickest way to do that is make quicker decisions yeah. or yeah. create an environment where your customers are making quicker decisions. You know, mm -hmm. the law of 2x in yeah. proactive selling, I think, is something that, you know, also it's very relevant for uh you know folks like me making those decisions yeah. as well you know yeah exactly yeah now that's that's really that's really interesting in uh making decisions and that's why we train people to actually come to a decision faster and tell us when they can make a decision because that's beneficial for everyone in that case so um yeah good point so 100%. tom again really amazing uh, conversation um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to send you like this small graph, you know, I'm going to do it myself, send it to you to see if I understood <laughs> it properly. And, uh, then I can ask people, what do you think it should be named so they can help you with the marketing of this? Um, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, or if they, or if they've got a better version, you know what I'm, I, uh, the number of times I've shared like a framework with somebody, um, and frustratingly, it's normally somebody with a lot less experience than me, but I guess I'm, I'm old. So that's the majority of people. Yeah. Uh, and they say, do you know what? If you just did this, this and this, and I just look, oh, wow, okay. how on earth did I not think of that? And then and then iterate it. So if somebody wants to kind of simplify it or enhance it in any way, I'm, I'm all ears as well. Okay, we'll try and enable the collective brain for that. We'll see if we can find some, some people there. Brilliant. So, um, Tom, before we wrap up, any what would be a, a place where people can uh, learn more about you and get in touch with you? Uh, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn. So Tom Castley, C-A-S-T-L-E-Y. And uh, yeah, if you refer to this podcast, I'll connect with you. Okay. And don't connect and pitch everyone. It's not because Tom has a CRO in his job title that you should go and sell everything and, you know, just, you know, refer to the podcast. That would be a good way to, uh, to do that. Yeah. Well, uh, but if you do pitch, um, uh, be open to feedback. If it's a great pitch, I'll let you know. If it's not, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Good. That's good. Cool. Thank you so much, Tom. Awesome. That was really great to talk with you and uh, talk soon then. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklists, and exclusive resources. 
You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up.